This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of I Know That Face, the only podcast which honours the often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. My name is Stephen Porzio. I'm on my own this episode. Uh, last week I spoke to Rob Savage, the director of Host, this brilliant roller coaster ride of a horror movie now streaming on Shudder. A found footage flick, it was made during COVID lockdown and centres on a group of friends who perform a seance over Zoom. Uh, it's scary, smart, funny, and feels incredibly timely. I actually watched it twice in one day. I liked it so much. I interviewed Rob over Zoom. We did not summon any spirits, thankfully. But we did talk about the unique making of the movie, his influences, some of his other upcoming projects, which include a Sam Raimi-produced horror flick, and Soulmates, this AMC sci-fi anthology show Savage shot the pilot for. I thought it was a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Have you ever done anything like this before? I've never done this over Zoom. Obviously, we're not physically together, but there's no reason why Spirit can't communicate over the internet. Nothing's going to happen. Visualize us sitting in a circle. Spirit, we invite you to use us to pass on any communication. Is there anyone there? Please come forth. Was that you? I heard it. No, I heard something. I think there's something here. Do you see that? <laughs> oh, Emma, oh, funny. How are you doing? How's it going? Good, yeah, not good. bad. Good. Thanks for taking the time out of your uh, busy schedule. It kind of yeah. blew my mind when I watched it for the first time, and then I watched it in the morning, went out, and then when I came home. My parents were looking for something to watch and I said oh you should watch this movie called Host it's really cool yeah. and my mom was into it because she's been doing a lot of Zoom book clubs kind of stuff yeah, during yeah. quarantine so she was like oh I, I use Zoom I'll check it out and then they yeah. were freaked out and they loved it <laughs> you use lockdown to make um, one of the most talked about and acclaimed horrors of the year and uh, what have you made of the reaction to Host? Because, you know, as I said, I'm, like, I'm chatting to you weeks after its release and people are still discovering it and raving about it. It's kind of nuts. It really is um, like way beyond anything we expected. When we went into this, r- really it was it was kind of an antidote for lockdown boredom where, you know, I, I wanted to make a project with all of my friends, all the people I was hanging out with on these, these Zoom calls anyway, doing Zoom happy hours and Zoom quizzes and that kind of thing. They really are it really is a group of friends making this movie. And if, if nobody had seen this movie, it would have been totally worth it just for the, um, just for the experience. But, um, it's kind of blown our minds how much this movie's entered the mainstream. Uh, you know, we expected it to do okay among horror fans because it's, it was going on shutter, which is a genre specific streaming service. We're big horror fans. We made it for horror fans. It's just been incredible that people have seen enough of themselves in the movie and related to the point where it's 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 kind of gone you know it's gone way beyond way beyond the just the genre fans and um, and has entered the mainstream discourse and that's incredible and still slightly surreal because I'm mm. I'm sat on my sofa where I directed most of Host so I haven't really <laughs> like I haven't really come come very fast in the in the last in the last few months so it all feels very um, it almost feels a little like a dream. <laughs> And just for people listening to this podcast, um, your film that you said is streaming on Shudder, um, for those who may not know, can you tell us about the story of Host? So it's about a bunch of friends who 
bored with cooking banana bread and doing Zoom quizzes, <laughs> uh, take the, the obvious next step and they hire a medium to come onto their Zoom call and uh, and host uh, a virtual seance for them. And it goes it goes about as well as you'd expect. <laughs> and um, people are talking about Host as being one of the first quarantine movies and you know, a found footage horror that taps into all these contemporary contemporary life in a fascinating way. But it's also yeah. the only film I can think of that's adapted from a viral prank. And um, yeah. when you posted online in April, so can, can you explain to listeners where the idea for the prank came from? Because it's a great story, I think. Yeah, well, basically, before lockdown even started, I just moved into a new flat, and um, and I checked out all of the rooms except for the attic. The attic, I, di- I didn't have a, a ladder to get up there, so so I just left it. But then, then I started hearing like footsteps from the attic, weird weird noises. I'd wake up at two or three in the morning and I'd hear creaking footsteps kind of going across from the attic. And um, and then one day I came back home after being out and having all the doors and lo- uh, windows locked. And uh, the attic door was like slightly, slightly ajar, and there was a um, like a chocolate bar wrapper on the floor right underneath, and some you know one that I'd never bought and it, it hadn't come from the house. And um, it started to be paranoid that there was somebody like living in the attic, like you hear in those kind of um, <laughs> creepy pasta stories. And like the idiot in every horror movie, I just didn't check it out. I just, I just left it. And uh, and then lockdown happened, and I was locked down, potentially with an axe murderer living ab- above me. So I decided I'd better check it out, and I went and got a stepladder from my next-door neighbor, and I went up there, and there was nobody there. But the attic was creepy as shit, and I was like, okay, I can probably use this to like give my friends a good scare, because I'd been telling them about all these noises I've been hearing. Yeah. So I got them on a Zoom call, and I said, listen, I need to go and check out this attic. Um, I need you there for emotional support. And I pressed record, uh, I pressed record, and I went up there, and little did they know I'd kind of constructed out of cardboard and sticky tape this contraption which 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 allowed me to like be filming the zoom call on my phone and then sneakily slot my phone into this contraption and have it pointing right at my laptop screen so it meant that they they didn't know that they'd suddenly switched to be to being shown pre-recorded footage and then i played them a clip from this movie called wreck which is a found footage movie where somebody goes up into an attic and has a zombie child jump out and eat their face so they as far as they were concerned, I'd just been attacked by some creature in my attic and uh, they reacted as you'd expect and they almost called the police and I had, to, I had to jump up off the floor and say, no, no, it was a prank. And we we cut that together, put that online, just as a bit of fun and it ended up just blowing up in this crazy way. We got like, we're on like 7 million views or something crazy like that now. And we really thought that was going to be it. That was going to be our cool thing for the lockdown. And it was interesting because people started to because a lot of people don't know the movie Wreck that we'd stolen the clip from, they kind of assumed, and because I think they didn't know quite how I'd done it, the transition from from a real Zoom call to pre-recorded footage, I think they assumed that it was all done as a short film and everything was acted and constructed. And uh, so I got a lot of calls coming in, kind of talking about it as though it was a short film and saying, is there a longer version of this? And it kind of, it was interesting to see that people were taking it as a horror short and that the language of it was, was kind of acceptable to them and it wasn't annoying to watch to watch something edited on zoom so that's what kind of gave us the idea to, to jump into something larger yeah that was what, what amazed me because i saw host and then saw the prank after it and the prank yeah. looks so much like host because it even has yeah. the same actors and it's all the same yeah. yeah pretty much all the same actors i mean that's the great thing it's like everyone who i was hanging out with on these zoom calls it was basically everyone you'd need to make a movie so they're all people in the industry who are who are 
furloughed or we all just had this kind of pent up creative energy and we decided to do something together so it was really it really was as easy as jumping back on our our friday night zoom happy hours and and saying you know do you want to make a movie and they were like yeah sure that was the casting process so so you then pitched to shutter the idea about the zoom seance and i I, I read that once the film was up and running it took 12 weeks to complete um i just was wondering what were shutter like to work with yeah shutter were amazing i mean shutter weren't the only people we were talking to there was a little bit of like a a kind of bidding war in the project where lots of people wanted to get involved because it was it was kind of peak lockdown when we were doing you know where it really felt like we were going to be locked down for the rest of the year and this might be the only thing that people could shoot so we had we had a lot of interest but shudder shudder like really got on board with how we wanted to make it they really got on board with the idea we wanted to turn this movie around fast we had other people come to us and say we want to turn this around fast we want to get this out as soon as possible we're thinking six months and we were like, no, 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 this needs to be six weeks. This needs to be this needs to be a movie that where people can see themselves reflected back. You know, it's a movie made in lockdown for people to watch in lockdown. So um, Shudder totally got on board with that. They were totally supportive. And they were totally behind just letting us figure it out as we went along because part of the pitch was me saying, I don't actually know how this is going to work. We're going to have to figure this out as we go along because nobody's really made a movie like this before completely remotely with everyone doing everything from their own homes. And... Um, Lots of other companies wanted to basically just kind of copy and paste the normal film production templates and apply it to this, uh, you know, remotely filmed project. And it just wouldn't have worked. Whereas Shudder gave us the space and Mm. gave us the trust to make it the way that it needed to be made. And another thing that feels very innovative about the movie is that 57 minute running time, uh, which I I think is perfect for the story that you're telling. Um, Was that running time always part of the plan? We actually originally pitched it to Shudder as, as shorter because I honestly didn't know how much good footage we'd be able to get from uh, from filming this way. You know, I made sure to negotiate with Shudder that, that the minimum we could go was half an hour. I thought we could probably just about scrape that. Yeah, we really we really didn't know just how it was going to come together, what it was going to look like. There was, you know, normally you go into a film and you've got pretty confident because the structure's there that you're going to get something of a certain of a certain quality. Whereas on on this, we really, we were really kind of at sea, and it was it was a case of definitely not wanting to outstay our welcome, wanting to make it short and punchy and fun. It needed to be a roll, kind of a, a fun roller coaster ride that kind of spat you out on the other side. So it was never going to be a long movie. We also had the idea of um, you know it being pretty much the length of a free Zoom call, which we thought was kind of funny. You know, we were kind of talking about it for most of the the making of it as, as being around forty minutes, which is the, what a free Zoom call is. But in the end, in the end, that felt way too pinched. We did a forty-minute version, and it felt way too pinched. So we we kind of stretched the timeline a little bit. Mm. Streaming services have started to put out um, more short-form content uh, yeah. that used to only be available at like, festivals or as an extra on DVDs. Yeah. And I know that you like there was Netflix that put out the Paul Thomas Anderson short and the David Lynn short and Shutter yeah. Movie have a lot of shorts on their sites. And I was just wondering, as someone who makes a lot of shorts and has made this fifty-seven movie. Does it give you a sense of like more freedom that oh this will be seen there there is a place yeah I think streamers are absolutely on the forefront of um you know of this I think a movie a movie always tells you the length that it wants to be in the edit and I think it's it's the most painful thing when you know when you're cutting something you know and I've worked a lot in TV where you've got to really hit these certain you know these stipulated run times and and ad breaks and all this kind of stuff and it just breaks your heart when you know that there's better footage in the rushes or there's a better movie in there or there's you know you know that you're adding in 
you're making it baggier to meet the runtime, and you're or you're cutting out good stuff to meet the runtime. And I think it's not a hindrance to people watching on streaming services. So it's 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 less of a big of a big deal. And I think we need to evolve our thinking in terms of what's a short, what's a feature. I mean, host, you know, I'd say I'd say is a feature, but it runs under an hour. I think it's really freeing, and I think it's really freeing as well because there's different expectations on a movie that's an hour. Mm-hmm. I think structurally you can do interesting things. Like our movie is real time. It's, you know, it's, it's an hour, it's real time, and it, and it doesn't follow a, a traditional kind of Hollywood structure. It doesn't tell you certain things that you perhaps expect from a 90-minute movie. We don't go into too much of the mythology. We keep the character backstory you know, mostly kind of unspoken and all these things, which I think are positives. I, I, it's, it's what I love about the movie, which I think you probably wouldn't get away with in a longer piece. So it's something that I think should be embraced. Hmm. And uh, you, as you and your co-writers were fleshing out host, um, were there any particular inspirations uh, in terms of a tone you wanted to establish or any of the movies like scenes or set pieces? Um, I saw on Twitter recently, you were posting about Dario Argento's opera. I love opera. Opera is like, I remember really liking opera when I watched it the first time, but I watched it again. It's just gorgeous. Like it's yeah. really, I think it's Argento's best shot movie. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, lots of, lots of the scares are just outright steals. Like, <laughs> and we're totally open about that. Like the, there's a, a scare that we stole from um, Satan's slaves, which is, which is oh, yeah. Yoko Anwar's. Another good amazing, shot of movie. A great shot of movie. Um, you know, the, um, the Polaroid stuff is nicked from way until dark. What else did we steal? I mean, there's stuff there's stuff that I didn't even realize that we'd stolen, like um, Alan's death, where he his uh, fall. Um, I was watching Wreck the other day from the the film that we stole the the clip for the original prank from, and uh, and I realized that we stole Alan's death from from Wreck. So there's lots of you know you can't help but kind of um, tip your hat to the to the classics and. Like tone-wise, we were looking at a lot of different movies. We did look at like the Paranormal Activity movies, especially the third one, which is my favourite. And um, a movie that was a big reference for me was uh, there's this movie VHS, this anthology movie, and um, the last segment of that, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it was directed by Radio Silence, and um, it's about a bunch of frat boys who who go to the wrong house expecting a party and find a, a, a demon summoning in process. It's it's just got this kind of berserk energy that keeps escalating and it, it, it hits you with one thing after another and doesn't kind of let you let you take a breath and we really looked at that as a reference for the for the final third where things start to really escalate when Teddy comes back on the call hmm. um, and there's another another movie Lake Mungo which 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 I always recommend which is um, a much more kind of low key much more kind of insidiously creepy fan footage movie but we used we used that for a couple of the um the more subtle scares as a reference as you heard in the intro this show is part of the headstuff podcast network Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts there's plenty of other great shows to check out on the network here's a taster of one once upon a time Fireside is the Irish storytelling podcast. Every week we breathe new life into old stories from folklore and mythology, from the mysterious landing of the old Celtic gods to the epic wars fought by Cúchulainn and Queen Maeve, right down to the petty squabbles between headstrong mortals and roguish fairies. We already have a huge collection available with a new episode every Wednesday. This is not just a podcast for folklore fiends, but for anyone who enjoys a good story. And who doesn't love a good story? 
My name is Kevin C. Olan, and I am your host and your fireside bard. Wherever you are in the world, you can always join me by the fireside. And now, back to the show. The film was made to look like it was shot on entirely over Zoom, and you were directing it remotely, and you had actors operating their own cameras and pulling off their uh, their own practical effects, and you know lighting their own scenes. And it sounds like a lot for them. So, how does that work in terms of your role? Are you on another video call guiding them through the process? And how does that compare to shooting a regular movie? Yeah, it was, and actually, I don't think this would have worked if we weren't all friends, and I couldn't just tell them if something. You know, we basically just did it until it was right and that was the that was the the mantra and um you know i don't know if if they weren't friends of mine already i don't know if they would have put up with it but um we didn't actually there's not actually a frame of zoom footage in the movie but we use zoom to kind of monitor everyone's shots so what we what we did is we got them all to like tape their phones behind the laptop so the camera was just poking over the top pretty much just above the um the laptop camera uh, so we knew that we had a high quality recording that wasn't attached you know wasn't connected to the internet and wasn't going to going to cut out if there was um if there was something wrong and i knew i could watch then over zoom and know that the shot was pretty much going to be similar mm-hmm. so i used zoom was almost like video village and um and i'd be on their zoom call hidden muted you know and sometimes i'd unmute and and, and drop in with with a bit of direction it, you know it really was a fun easy process because they were so committed to it the actors and um we kind of followed the same structure as you would on a normal shoot we'd come on we'd rehearse um i'd give them the kind of objectives of the scene and then we'd run a few takes and i'd come back on after every take and we tighten it and tighten it and then after you know after two three takes we'd kind of be roughly we'd, we'd have arrived at the scene that you see on screen the technical stuff it was a big worry of mine and uh Basically, what I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure that by the time we were shooting the main scenes, the technical stuff was almost like second nature to them. So I spent a lot of time with them in the week preceding the shoot, spending a day individually with each of them going through their lighting, their blocking, um, their, all the effects, everything, all the, all the stuff that they wouldn't normally be expected to, to take on their own shoulders on a normal production. I just wanted them to spend the week really getting to grips with that so that when they arrived on set, it was like a muscle memory and they could just, they could just do it and they could focus on the performance. Um, and, you know, to, to their credit, they all really committed You know, if you looked at, if you looked at their laptops, their laptops were all kind of decked out with post-it notes. So they could see all of the different technical things they needed to check every take. They needed to mm. check their continuity, their lighting, all of this stuff. Sounds great. And how do you, um, capture because it it definitely feels like a zoom call but you're saying it it wasn't done over zoom so you have these scenes where the people are like they're drinking and they're like talking very naturally and yeah how much effort went into replicating the style of zoom and getting the the vibe correct it needed to be it needed to be totally authentic or else i think people wouldn't have responded to it it's such a weird thing that we're all basically we're all basically living the same reality at the moment where you know 90 percent of us use zoom to communicate and um it's got its own peculiarities and i think zoom calls have a kind of they've got a structure to them that people that people recognize you know and especially when you're doing these kind of big group hangouts there's there's a kind of way that those unfold that 
we you know we really wanted to make it feel natural and we really wanted people to recognize themselves in the situation and the characters so that was that was super important i think if we'd have done anything that felt false uh, or felt um too kind of hollywoodized then i think people wouldn't have been able to relate in the same way and um i really love the occasional audio and image glitches in host yeah. during those tensor scenes and i think they add an authenticity and a whole new layer to her because you're not sure if it's just poor connection or is it a demon <laughs> in the background um was it hard to get that that fine line between capturing sort of the difficulties of online communication while still making it you know pleasurable for the viewer to watch yeah definitely and we we kind of that's why we filmed on the on the phones and we built our own zoom interface because we wanted the option of of just being able to play it back without any glitches if we found the glitches were annoying uh we you know we we knew we had this clean recording and um or you know all of those glitches were placed very purposefully and dialed up and down and you know we watched through just to make sure that it wasn't grating to have these little bits of interference throughout and you know similarly with the sound we got everyone audio packs with little kind of lapel mics um, and attached those onto the back of everyone's laptop so everyone's laptop was kind of bulked up with all these different bits of kit we had this very clean audio that we could have used and we used a bit of it but to be honest we kind of mixed between that and the real zoom audio because the real zoom audio just felt more authentic and every time we cut to clean audio it felt too polished Mm. so um we had that we had that option of, of we could have made the kind of the much cleaner, much uh, much more professional, you know, in air quotes, but version of this of this movie. We had the tools, but we made the decision to go closer to the to the real uh, glitches and, and specifics of Zoom. There's a, there's a sequence in the movie where someone is dropped on a table in a garden. I was like, how was that done? If you know, as I understand, it was the actor setting it up. Uh, that was the, the set piece where I was like marveling at how it was accomplished. You know? <laughs> It was interesting because at the beginning of the process, I was thinking, you know, how are we how are we going to do this with everyone pulling off their own stunts and their own lighting and all this stuff. We had this amazing kind of light bulb moment where we realized that basically anyone with an Internet connection was suddenly, you know, at our disposal. And we could uh, pull in these amazing people who work in the industry who otherwise would have been busy, but, but were currently on furlough. Mm. And we basically made a big master list of cool people who we wanted to try and help out with the movie, from pyrotechnics people to special effects people, and specifically stunt people, because we knew a house full of uh, stunt performers who were all basically isolating. Basically, everyone you'd need to legally and safely pull off almost every stunt you can think of all happened to be isolating within the same house and were a pretty good match build-wise for some of our actors a lot of the stunts where you think you're seeing it happen to the real actors there's actually very subtle kind of vfx transitions between their house and these stunt performers houses where the stunt performers are dressed in the same clothes doing these crazy stunts that you um you assume the actors are pulling off themselves oh that's very smart yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, like the stunt performers being in their own houses too. Yeah, it, it's great because I think if you work in the industry and you know these tricks, some of them are more apparent, but it, it, it's not the way that most people watch movies. I think yeah. that people want to suspend their disbelief. Um, I know you worked with a lot of them before and you've mentioned that they were all friends of yours. What was the approach to the casting? Oh, did, I was wondering, did the main actors all know each other? Just because I thought their chemistry was incredible. And they all reminded me of yeah. that type of friend I had. You know? They all 
know they all know each other apart from Teddy. Teddy was the one person who we um, we bought in that, that we to, none of us none of us had actually met Teddy until uh, about a week ago when we did our rap party in the in the park and um, he was bought in. I was looking for someone to do a very I won't spoil it but to do a very specific stunt because I wanted there to be a few of these moments where people these kind of like how the fuck did they do that moments where people would assume assume we wouldn't be able to pull it off in lockdown and to just kind of blow that expectation out of the water and one of them was this with this very dangerous stunt that we needed somebody to be um to be fully qualified for and Teddy was somebody who was who was qualified to do this stunt and also just had an incredible showreel and was clearly an amazing actor and and just had a great energy to him and even if he hadn't have been stunt qualified, we would have just cast him anyway because his reel was so good. We kind of introduced him to the group and we did a few hangouts with him in advance just to kind of get a bit of uh, a sense of how he might slot into that dynamic. And luckily he fit in, he fit in really well and he had a great banter with the girls and, um, you know, I think he really brings, brings something to that, to that friend group. But yeah, it was super important for me to cast a real group of friends because I think you, you wouldn't have been able to get that that closeness and that shorthand that the girls have if you were using actors who didn't know each other. And is it true that you only delivered the movie to Shudder just two days before it was released? Yeah, yeah. We thought we were going to have to push delivery. It was really crazy. We basically didn't sleep, me and the producer, we basically didn't sleep for like four days before we handed this movie in. We were just living in the in the post-production house. And um, a lot of it was to do with building the, the Zoom interface. There's basically... Every single time that you see somebody's name pop up or so-and-so has entered the meeting or there's this number of participants, that's an individual graphic that we had to have made, placed, mm. time-coded. And there ended up being like 4,000 different bits of the Zoom interface that needed to be integrated in individually and checked. And so part of it was just watching through, making sure the names lined up, making sure that the, the grids were all, were all aligned. And it was and it was glitching and, and things were out of place and it was, we had every problem on the sun. We'd, we'd just absolutely under the wire getting it in but i'm so glad we did because it because i think it hit at just the right time i imagine it was scary but also sort of exhilarating not to have it sit on a shelf like tenet was for months you know you you put it out and immediately there is the reaction that's the thing that's the thing it was it was so gratifying to get it out and for people to be able to see this movie that we literally finished days ago (laughs) It, it well it cut it cuts down on that period of worry between delivering something and and getting something out there there's always this horrible period of time where you're just obsessively going over the movie in your head and thinking about all the things that you wish you could change now that it's delivered but we didn't really have time for that i basically slept those two days between delivery and release and um, before i knew it it was online and people were responding to it so it was a really nice way of doing things i I know you have a lot of projects in the works and i want to pick your brain about all of them but um now the host has been such a success is there any talk of a sequel or are you and the co-writers breaking down any ideas yeah we've got something we're really keen to do and we're really keen to do it with the same kind of energy that we did host and, and get it out quite fast and get it out while still relevant it's another movie that's set in this very weird time that we're in right now it's in the same world as host uh, it's not a sequel per se uh, it's not, I think, what people will be expecting, but I think it's, I think it's really cool, and I think 
there are things that, that we're planning to do in it that are absolutely going to leave people speechless. It's, we're really trying to step up from what we did on, on host. And, you know, it's in the found footage space again, which we're really excited about returning to and, and, and coming out in a slightly different way. But it's, it's some, something, that, something that hopefully we'll have some, some news on soon. Oh, great. And, um, yeah, you've, as I said, you have a lot of projects in the works, um, including a feature being produced by Sam Raimi. Can you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> Sam Raimi is just a, a, an absolute hero of mine. I mean, Evil Dead Two is still my favorite movie of all time, and uh, his his movies were pretty much the films that got me into filmmaking. I mean, they were they were films that I that I'd study and I'd replicate as a teenager on my on my little flip camera, and um, it's been such a such a like a pleasure to work with him because he's so fun and collaborative, and he makes the whole thing feel. Feel, feel exciting and makes the makes the process feel anything possible and and to uh that anyone can throw an idea in the movie can always be better and you can always be working at pushing it and um a lot of the things that we've learned from working with sam raimi actually made it into host i think host would be a very different film if i hadn't been working with sam for the past few months a lot of that kind of energy made it into host he seems like a very nice man in terms of supporting younger horror filmmakers in... Fede Alvarez yeah was, exactly just made a short and, and got the Evil Dead movie I mean because Sam started out when he made his first Evil Dead movie he was so he was so young he can really spot filmmakers who have that same drive and passion and um, he's really kind of using his power to um, to raise those voices up which is amazing and then there's another thing that was on IMDb uh, Sea Home a creature flick We've got a great writer on that. It's a guy called Joe Wilde, who's got a, an incredibly fucked up mind and has turned in a turned in a brilliant script. It's kind of like a fucked up version of ET, is what I'll say. <laughs> it's a it's a yeah, it's a creature creature feature that I'm really really excited about. Hopefully, that's something that can um, can shoot next year. Maybe I mean I'm hoping that hoping that when things return to normal, a few of these features will kind of hit the ground running and, and be ready to go. Yeah, I really liked Salt, um, which people can watch on Vimeo. Um, oh, I, I saw you talk about a, a feature version of that. Would that be possible? Yeah, we, we've got a really great team working on that, and it's a, it's an idea that we always thought had legs as a feature. We made it really in the style of um, A Quiet Place or Lights Out or one of these kind of very slick, very high concept horror movies that um, that we love so much and. It's got a core concept that I think is really, really cool and that we haven't quite seen before. So hoping that will be something we can we can jump onto very soon. Yeah. And uh, the last thing I want to ask you about is you directed the pilot for an upcoming um, AMC sci-fi anthology show, Soulmates. Yeah. And you worked with yeah, Sarah yeah, yeah. Snook. That must have been great. Oh, it's great. Sarah's, Sarah's incredible. She gives an amazing performance in this. I think she shows... It's a, it's a, it's a performance that people won't expect from her and... Um, you know she's an absolute treat to work with it was a great experience and um that's coming out next month um and it's in a di- very different space you know it was, and it was a different relationship i was a, a director for hire on that one i mean i put a lot of myself into it but it, it's not my project it's not my pilot but it's got an incredible an incredibly talented team behind it it's about a world where your soulmate can be determined by science so you take a test and it tells you the per- the one person you're meant to be with the pilot episode follows a couple who have been together for a long time who may or may not be each other's soulmates and um, are wondering whether they should find out. Hmm. That sounds great. I'm very excited to watch that. I love a good anthology show. Me too. Again, because they're essentially one hour long movies. 
looking at your work as a whole, um, a lot of the stories center on these, you know, inventive takes on established genres, as a, mm. a seance over a Zoom call, you know, yeah. deaf people, you know, in a zombie apocalypse. They're just, uh, really just cool concepts. At a time when it sort of feels like almost, pretty much everything that can be done has been done, um, do you have any tips for filmmakers on how to originate new ideas? I'd say you've just got to watch a lot of horror movies because you've got to know what's been done and what people will be expecting so that then you can subvert that. And also, I think, just keep coming up with ideas. Me and Jed Shepard, who, um, who was a, an exec producer and a writer on Host and is an exec producer on the, the Sam Raimi movie as well, one thing that we do is every day we text each other a new horror idea. And most of them are rubbish. Every so often you come up with one that feels really fresh and then we develop that and um you know a lot of the movies that we've sold have, have come off this horror idea a day thing that we've been doing so i'd say just keep coming up with stuff just keep flexing that muscle and eventually eventually you'll hit on something and you'll you'll just get that that feeling from it that, that you haven't seen it before and i think i think horror fans are an extremely like they're extremely kind of active viewers they're always looking for ways that you're going to surprise them and to find something that's going to subvert what they're expecting is always really exciting so keep coming up with stuff until you hit something that you're really excited about that sounds like good advice thanks so much Amazing. for taking the time to no problem speak at to all. me and uh, good luck with everything in the future um it seems like some really cool stuff is on the way well fingers crossed no yeah. thanks so much man have a good day cheers you too take care that was my conversation with Rob Savage. I hope you enjoyed it. You can check out Host on Shudder, the horror streaming service. On that note, see you later, Cinephiles. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.